Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me, for I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have, the wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. O oh, how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. <clears throat> the, uh, the title of the message is basically the inspired word. And we're going to go over to Second Timothy Chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. We're going to study some things here, and then we'll go back to Psalm 119. But the inspired word is what we're going to be talking about today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the day. Thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, we just thank you for each one that has been able to come out, Lord. We pray especially for those that are sick and, and afflicted. Pray that you might lift them up. Lord, as we study your word, we pray that your will might be done in our lives, that we might be able to see your truth in your word, that we might be able to understand it, and that we might be able to hide it away in our hearts, that we might remember it uh, from time to time and from everlasting to everlasting, that we might be able to know these things. Lord, just touch us with your uh, hand of grace upon us each and every day, and just ask you, Father, just to bless us as you see fit to do We'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for all things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Second Timothy 3, we're going to be looking at <clears throat> verses 12 through 17. <clears throat> As an introduction <clears throat> here, Ecclesiastes 12, 12 tells us, now Solomon tells us, of making many books, there is no end. What would he think now? with seeing as many books as this world has in this, in wherever that might be, homes, libraries, places, business, whatever it might be. But there's books beyond books that we can, we see and that have been written and that have been uh, presented to be able to sell, to be able to read, whatever it might be. But yet there is one book of books and we know what that is. It is different from all other books that continues to hold the attention, the admiration, and the affection of millions of souls. Although it also has its enemies who would, if they could, destroy the last copy from off the face of the earth. 
I heard someone recently comment that the Bible is the number one bestseller in the world today and has been probably for years. <clears throat> but he said also, and the one that is most unread. And I believe that's probably true also looking at this day and time. It may be the bestseller, but probably not the one that most people will read. <clears throat> what is the secret of the great power and endurance of this great book that we have before us today? It is loved by some and it is hated by others. There's only one answer. This book is not of human origin, but it is of a divine origin. It is the very word of, the, of God expressed in human language, but expressing perfectly divine and eternal truth. That is the word of God. <clears throat> the Bible declares itself to be infallibly inspired. And if it were not, it would be the most dishonest of all books. But readers who believe it, who give it a fair trial in their lives, find it to be true and will recommend it to others. We, If we witness to someone, we're usually, usually using a Bible to go by or scriptures or whatever. If we know that this book is true and, and, and has uh, all of God's uh, words in it, then we're going to re recommend this word to anyone out there that would read it, that would feel led to read it. The only determined unbelievers are those who have not honestly examined the evidence of the word of God because their wicked hearts cannot endure the word of the truth. It cannot, those that do not know the Lord cannot endure the truth of God's word. <clears throat> now, as we look at these verses in 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 through 13, it says, Yea, <clears throat> and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Ever since the first man disobeyed his creator in the Garden of Eden, a sinful world has hated the righteous word of God. From the time that Cain killed Abel, those who disbelieve and disobey the word of God have hated those who believe and obey it. How many times do you walk up to someone and say, you know, and try and witness to them and they'll just turn around and either walk away or say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And those, they hate the word of God because if they, even if they're lost, there are some that will actually listen to you. And that's through the Lord's will that they will listen to you. But there's so many out there that don't even want to hear what you have to say. The battle lines are not always clearly drawn. There are hypocrites and compromisers on both sides. But all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, as verse 12 says here. And there is no expectation of improvement in the condition of the world until Jesus comes again. I don't see any improvement. Uh, believe it's getting worse and worse. Doesn't mean that the Lord can't make that improvement, but 
You just don't see it. But we will see it when the Lord comes back. The word tells us evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Now, if the righteous would only get better, we might still hold our own. Well, that's possible. But the sad fact is that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It's found in Matthew 24, 12. So it says in this verse 13, so evil men and seducers continue deceiving and being deceived. They will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's God's people that's going to be deceived and continue to be deceived. Verse 14 and 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. If the enemy can continue in error, surely God's people can continue in the truth. I believe that they will because the Holy Spirit is within them. But we know that the enemy is not going to get any better unless the Lord touches them and, and shows them Christ as their Savior. <clears throat> Some, like Timothy here, they have been taught the scriptures from childhood. But at many, but at any time of life, they are able to make us wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, as this verse says. The word salvation apparently is used here in a broad sense to include deliverance, beginning in the new birth, and completed in the glory as the Lord comes back to us. The Bible that lays on a shelf or a table or even carried around in your hand or pocket cannot make us wise to salvation. The scriptures must be learned. They must be taught. They must be learned. Then the wisdom learned from the scriptures will lead us to faith in Christ in whom is our salvation. The word of God teaches us, instructs us, but it also touches the heart of those that do not know Christ. It is used through the word of God to save those that are lost and undone. It is the word of God that uses it. It is the Holy Spirit that touches the heart to change the heart, but it is through the Holy Spirit, the preaching of the word, that will save those that are lost and undone. Then we see in verse 16 and 17, we know these scriptures by heart just about. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Faith that will not work is not saving faith. Religion that does not save us from sin is not salvation. Working in order to attain salvation is useless and vain. The only works acceptable to God that men can do are done by souls saved by grace through faith without works. Our works do not save, but our salvation does work. And it works because God's words work. Kind of hard to say, but it's true. Through the word of God, we see that we need to work. Those that are 
God's children. We see that we're instructed to work. We're not instructed to work for salvation, but we are instructed to work because of the salvation that we have that the Lord Jesus Christ died for. Then if you look into this verse 16 here, we see that divine inspiration is for human profit. What does it say here? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It is profitable. If there are false religious leaders who dispute the infallible inspiration of all the Holy Scripture, it is because of their own deeply rooted enmity against God. They are not willing that God should be praised for this perfectly inspired word that is spiritually profitable to men. All Scripture. What does that mean? Everything in this book. Everything in this book is profitable for the man to understand and is profitable for their, um, for their lives, for their daily walk, for everything that they have. It is profitable for all these things. It is profitable spiritually to God's children. <clears throat> Experience has proved that God's word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction, and for instruction in righteousness as is declared in this particular verse here. If anyone does not profit from it, the failure is not in the word, but in their own unbelief. Let's turn over to Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 4. <clears throat> verse number 2. What does it say? For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So there are some that the word of God profits, and there are some that it doesn't. Does that mean that the word of God is not profitable? No. It's just that those that do not hear it and understand it, they're the ones that are not profiting from it, because they can't profit from it. They are, un they are unbelievers. As we see in verse 17 here, it says perfect here means complete, ready, and prepared. That the man of God may be perfect, that he may be complete, that he may be ready, and that he is prepared at all times. Throughly furnished here means perfected or completely prepared or equipped. So we see, supposed to be perfect, Throughly furnished, that we're completely prepared here. And then it says all good works. All good works, meaning all beneficial labor. All the beneficial labor that we can do is to be perfect and throughly furnished unto all good works. You might say that hired servants or hired, when you hire somebody to do a job, may be able to satisfy themselves with less than perfect work habits. We see that in the world today. There's not everybody that gets out and gets a job as uh, fully committed to that job or fully committed to what he does on that job. But the man of God recognizes his weaknesses and from the word of God seeks to prepare himself for the work of God. So we are to work for God, not for our salvation, but we are to work in 
the teaching of his word, it shows us that we need to work in different aspects of our lives. So it is good that we have the word of God and it is good that it is given to us by the inspiration of God and it is that it is profitable for his people. Now let's go back in uh, Psalm number 119. We're going to look at verses 9 through 15. At the beginning here, we're going to go all the way basically to, uh, through 18. <clears throat> In Psalm 119, 9 through 15, Psalm 119 is a perfect observation on the word of God as it affects the ways of men. We should take God's word as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you'll look at verse number 105, we hear that. It is written to us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is beneficial for us to be able to see. For us to be able to see the things that God gives us. For us to be able to see the, the reality of God working in us. And is, it is a lamp unto our feet, and it is a light that we see that we can go forth. In verse number nine here, it, say, it says, um, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. What's it telling us here? The question that's asked is, how shall we cleanse our way? The answer is by taking heed to the word. That's what's going to cleanse our ways. If we have, if we need cleansing, the word is what we, it is there to cleanse us in our ways. We need to watch our step, to watch where we're going, whether we are young or old. And in the New Testament, we are commanded to walk, walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly is exactly or perfectly. We're, to, we're told that we are to work circumspectly, walk and that's found in Ephesians 5.15. We're to walk as perfectly as we can. But we must watch our ways according to the light of the word. When it says here um, how we are to cleanse, it is according to the word. And we had what we found out that the word is a light to us, that we can be instructed, that we can be guided through the word, and that's what we are to do. <clears throat> Verse number 10, it says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. God's word calls for wholehearted commitment, wholehearted devotion. He says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Books of men that give us words or even the, of even the wisest men are not always dependable. I would say it at the beginning. There's probably millions upon trillions of books that have been written out in the world. But how dependable are those words of those books? We can depend on the word of God. <clears throat> but there is no error in God's word. We can step out upon his promises. We can obey his commandments in perfect assurance that in every detail he has told us what is best for us in his word. It says, 
with my whole heart have I sought thee. We're to use everything that we have to seek the Lord. But it says, oh, let me not wander from the commandments. When we wander from the word of God, that's when our problems start. That's when our problems begin to to infiltrate our minds or our bodies or whatever it might be if we begin to wander and we can't wander from away from the Lord's word. <clears throat> Verse number 11, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. When temptation comes, we do not always have time to run to our Bibles to find what God is, has to say about it. So we need his word hid or reserved in our hearts to warn us of the sinfulness and dangers of sin before we are tempted. In fact, we may avoid a great many temptations simply by being forewarned. The word of God teaches us and warns us many, many times in it to stay away from certain things. We're to stay away from sin. We're to stay away from the devil. We're to flee the devil, as was said this morning. But we're to use the word to help us to flee from those things. <clears throat> it is reserved in our hearts. It is to warn us of sinfulness, dangers of sin, before we are tempted. Our primary motive in studying and learning the word of God should not be to win arguments or debates. You know, that when we get into arguments or debates about the word of God, it doesn't help either side. It doesn't help your position. It's not going to help his position if there's arguments or debates. But to keep ourselves from sin, we're to, to know and be ready and be forewarned. But in the studying and learning the word, it is to keep ourselves out of the sin in our lives. <clears throat> Um, Brother Paul Reynolds there at the um, at the conference this weekend uh, brought a good message Saturday morning that he entitled "Remember the Law, Remember the Law," and it what it basically is saying is that the law was given, and the way that the in the the Israel at that time what they would do is they would teach their sons, they would teach their sons. They would teach down through generations, teach what the word, what God had instructed them in and to continue to teach that word. Now, that's basically what we're looking at here is the, the inspired word is what we're to tell others of. And he brought out something that uh, really uh, touched me because I'd never seen it really this way. But uh, when he, when um uh, let's just turn there. Let's turn to Exodus 19. This is when Moses was to be was to get the commandments of God there on Mount Sinai. And um, if you'll notice the way that I guess we've always been taught or what we have perceived is that Moses was on the Mount of Sinai when he got the instruction or the Ten Commandments from God. 
But if you look at the at 19, Exodus 19, 20 and 21, it says, And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. He went up because God called him up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down. Charge the people lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. See, early in the chapter there, he had already instructed, he had already told uh, Moses to instruct them they cannot go but so far there at the mount, uh, uh, at the bottom of the Mount Sinai. So he's telling them here, he's told Moses, you go back down there, you reiterate, you tell them again, basically, not to break through to gaze that many of them may perish, okay? So we see Moses does not go back up until later on. So we see that as Moses was down at the foot of Mount Sinai there with the people, that God gave Moses and the people heard it, heard the words of God giving them the Ten Commandments. Now, let's also go over Deuteronomy and uh, chapter 4. Let's look at verses 11 through 13. It says, And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. So was Moses present when he wrote the, the two tables there? I don't see that. And I had never seen that before until Brother Reynolds had brought it out in his message there. All of Israel heard the commandments spoken by God. God wanted Moses to be with Israel when they were spoken so that the people heard it from God and not Moses. And not Moses. He was down there hearing exactly what God had, had was given of the Ten Commandments. So the way that Brother Reynolds had brought this out was that, that God wanted Moses there with the children of Israel so that they wouldn't perceive that this is Moses speaking to them and not God. So we see that God spoke the Ten Commandments here and they all heard that those Ten Commandments. <clears throat> now back in one, uh, 119 verse number 12 here. Uh, blessed art thou, uh, blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. They shall be all taught of God that's found in John 6, 45. No man except a child of God can understand the word of God and only by the spirit of God can they understand the word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 16. One reason for this is that the true child of God is willing to be taught. A lost person is not willing to be taught. He worships uh, the child of God, worships the God of the Bible, and is willing for this God to teach him his statutes. If you look quickly at John chapter 7, we're going to read verse 17. John 7, 17 says, If any man will do his will, 
he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. God's people is going to know God's word. They know God's word. Verse number 13, with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. No genuine child of God can selfishly keep the truth of God to himself. There was, uh, I'd say, maybe two or three of the speakers this weekend that we got to hear that was speaking of witnessing to others that we need as as churches, as we need as individuals to be better witnesses for 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 God and to, and to proclaim uh, Jesus Christ. And it is something that is needed. But we must tell it to others, not only because we want to, but especially because he commands us to do it. Maybe we find it easier to tell people about the mercies of God, but David was faithful to declare all the judgments of God, and Paul testified that he had not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's found in Acts 20 and 27. Verse number 14 says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Different men, of course, have different ideas of what signifies wealth. To some people, riches mean simply money or material goods. Other people have learned that money is not everything, that the better things even in this life cannot be bought with money, and we understand that. But whether we think of riches as material or immaterial, there are no greater riches than the spiritual riches of the God's word. There's not going to help. There's not anything better that's going to help you in your life and in whether you uh, have riches or not than the word of God. That's what's going to be more beneficial to you than the material things or the immaterial things that may be in your life. God's riches exceed all the riches of this world put together. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verses 26 and 27. For what is is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. That's what our riches are. That's why we work, is because we know the Word of God and we want to proclaim that Word of God, and we will work and and witness to others. Then verse 15 says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Prayerful meditation in the word of God will encourage a spirit of worship and will teach us to respect the ways of God. Sometimes we may experience a spiritual backsliding even while we are studying the Bible. And that's possible. Our minds can wander even just reading and studying the word of God. It'll wander off into other areas that we don't need to be. <clears throat> but this is due to, to wrong motives or to our failure to meditate, or to our having respect to the ways of men rather than the ways of God. That's how we kind of wander off into different into spiritual backsliding. 
The ways of God's word for God's people are the ways of worship and humble submission to his will. That's what we have. That's what we do. Verse number 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Devoted students of the Bible never cease to be amazed at the word of God. This is truth that is simple even for a child to understand. How many times if you teach a, a young ones uh, of the things that happen in the Bible, whether they be like the stories that they can re- relate to and things that they can understand, they learn those things. They learn the rain, about the rainbow in the sky. They learn of, of Christ and they learn of these things. Even as children, as young children, they can understand these things. <clears throat> and still and still truth so deep that we can get that the wisest of scholars never understand more than a small part of it. See, well, there's parts of the Bible that a child can understand and there's parts of the Bible that even the wisest of men will not be able to understand and per, per, uh, to um, present what it means in the Word of God. There's many that think they do, but... There's probably many that don't. If anyone is, uh, if anyone in this world could perfectly understand the Bible, we would think it is just another book. But we can't. We can't understand everything in the Word of God. And there's not anyone that can, except Jesus Christ. He knew the whole Word. But as, as finite men, we don't understand every part of the book. But God's word sheds heavenly light on earthly scenes that we go through and makes us long for the greater light to come. It makes us long to be able to know more about the word of God. It makes us uh, have a more desire to study the things that we don't understand. And that's what the word of God does for us. Now, as we look at these uh, verse 16 here, whether we find joy or sorrow in the laws and commandments of God's God depends on whether we are in harmony with the will of God or in rebellion to him. If we're in rebellion to God, we're not going to understand what he gives us in his word. We're not going to understand everything that he gives us. So we need to be in harmony with God. When we are, we will be in harmony with his word. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament found delight in the law of God. And we must, as true children of God, delight ourselves in his statutes and not forget his word. That's what that message yesterday. Remember the law. Remember his word. Verse 17 says, Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. To most people, even those who claim to be Christians, it is hard for us to believe that salvation is forever. There's many out there that don't believe it's forever. Church of Christ, you have to work to keep your salvation. Uh, the Catholic Church, they don't believe that you're uh, saved forever because you've got to do all these other things there. There's many that believe that you can lose your salvation. The Word of God does not teach that. The Word of God teaches us that salvation is forever. And that God not only saves, but he keeps his people. It is certainly wonderful that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son,
cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. And that our heavenly father is so patient and long suffering with his children. 2 Peter 3, 15. Yet he continues to deal bountifully with his children so that they may live and keep his word. What does it say here? Deal bountifully with thy servant. Show mercy upon your, your servant here that I may live and keep thy word. Not only are we, he's, is he requesting that he deal bountifully, but he's, that he might live the proper life and that he might keep that word that God has given him. <clears throat> Verse 18 says, Open thy, thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. The more we see of the wondrous things of God from the study of his word, the more we realize how much we have not yet seen. How much have we not seen in the word of God? If you read the whole Bible through in a year's time, you've read the whole Bible, but you don't see everything, do you? You don't perceive everything. You may read it, but you don't see everything. The prospector for hidden treasure may find all that was hidden, he may go out there and find what he could. Even the miner searching out precious metals or gems may diminish his mind. But, the, but um, it, it, there'll still be something there. There'll still be some stuff there. But the student of God's word can never exhaust the wonders of the precious word of God. This precious book. Each new discovery holds the promise of greater wonders to come. Every time we look at the word, we see something that God reveals something new to us. It's a new wonder for us. May God open our spiritual eyes and keep them open to the glorious wonders of his truth. We pray that he will open our eyes, <clears throat> that we may not forget his word. And in closing, <clears throat> Psalm 119 <clears throat> In verse number 140, it says, Thy word is very pure. Therefore, they, therefore, thy servant loveth it. It's pure. And if it's pure, God's people are going to love that word. Pure here means purified or refined as metals are refined. God's word came to men through human instruments. But in the process of divine inspiration, all human error was removed as dross is removed from refined metal. So that Holy Scripture, as originally written, is the pure word of God. As a result, because God's word is pure, purely his, all true servants of God love it <clears throat> because they love God. If we love God... <clears throat> We're going to love his word, plain and simple. How e much easier can it be when he tells us to study his word, <clears throat> when we understand it, we're going to love him more. There's times where we're going to learn more every day, and we just pray that he will teach us from his word every day.